from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. The Drive with Tim Donnelly, 99.9 The Fan. You can also follow along at WRALSportsFan.com. We even have a video feed there so you can watch what's going on. Uh, We are exactly... I feel like now is when you can start actually counting down. We are exactly one month away from the college football season starting in the triangle. And those week one games are doozies. We are going to learn so much. By five weeks from today, we are going to know so much about these teams. And it's it's time to start asking the questions or at least setting up the questions that we're going to learn about. Uh, one month from today on August 31st. Today is July 31st. On August 31st, states at UConn. That's an interesting game. I'll explain why. But two days after that, right? So you get a Thursday night state at UConn. Two days after that on Saturday, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Charlotte. I mean, I, I, I that's a doozy of a game, right? Battle of the Carolinas and, and two of the, the more electric, like highlight films at quarterback and Drake May and Spencer Rattler. And then two days after that, Duke hosts Clemson. We talked about at ACC kickoff how optimistic the the aura around Duke was. Well, you get Clemson week one in Durham. <laughs> how optimistic are you, right? That, that's that's a, a nice little uh, uh, baseline. In the scheme of things, let's be clear about it, one game is one game for all these teams. All right? In the scheme of things, if you lose one game, are all of your hopes and dreams tumbling down the drain? No. But they aren't all just game one overreactions, right? I, I feel like that's almost been it, – it, it used to be. It used to be that the Monday after the first weekend of football was was so many sweeping, definitive decisions, right? There was so much, this team is going to win the national championship. This team stinks, right? Uh, Anthony Richardson last year, was what was it, against – um, Utah, they yep. won, and he was going to win the Heisman. Yep. And, and like, they're all just co- – it used to be too much of that, and then everyone in the sports world labeled the first Monday after the first weekend of football overreaction Monday. And it's like now it's it's we've overcorrected. Now we pretend like we can't learn anything from game one because everything is an overreaction. These games are tone setters, right? These games are games that will set the tone – for the rest of their season. So if they don't perform well, right? I'm not saying you have to win by 40, but but if, if things don't look as they should, then you're immediately fighting an uphill battle. Yes, you can win an uphill battle, but you'd rather not be there. Right? Like um, Wake Forest is playing Elon that week. That's not as much as a, as a tone setter game for Wake Forest as these other games are for for state and then Carolina and then Duke, right? Those are much more, oh, there's something riding on it. Wake Forest, you'd hope you're going to beat Elon by, you know, three-plus scores and and you're going to go into your next game a little bit more. Hmm, what's going on here? State at UConn is, is an interesting one because, to me, it's a mental check. Yep. UConn, before last season, so it, it's eliminating last season, uh, they had gone 10 and 51 in their previous 61 games. That's not great. 
No. That gives UConn a reputation of being, to put it nicely, not great. But last year they had Jim Mora. They spent a little bit more on their program. Jim Mora, uh, former coach at UCLA, before that, head, uh, Jim Mora Jr., I should say, uh, head coach with the Atlanta Falcons during during the Vic era. So they brought in a, 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 I don't know, a fancy name, invested more in football. Last year they made a bowl game. They were one of the surprises of college football. And, by the way, for, for State, Notre Dame is week two. So that's the definition of a trap game, right? Everybody's looking towards Notre Dame, overlooking UConn, who is better than you think, right? They're not the 10-51 and 51 UConn Huskies from, from the previous year. They're bowl game uh, UConn Huskies from last year, and Jim Morris continuing to build on what he, he got started last year. So State can't overlook them and just start, well, we got to play UConn before we play Notre Dame. No, 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 no. You have to play UConn on the road at UConn. You don't want a repeat of the East Carolina football game of last season. Exactly. Now, obviously, NC State won't be preseason rate number 13, but with all the hype with Brandon Armstrong mm-hmm. coming in, Robert Nye, the new offensive coordinator, like you said, it's a mental test. What kind of NC State football program are we going to see this year? And, and that's what I'm talking about, about we can learn something, right? How different are they than last year's squad, right? Because last year's squad, let's be real, they didn't show up to that game as locked in as they should, especially as the preseason hype team, right? No disrespect to ECU. No. Then there's two days later, North Carolina, South Carolina, in Charlotte, Battle of the Carolinas. Here's Drake May at ACC kickoff talking about setting the tone with that game. It's huge, especially, you know, the Battle of the Carolinas in itself. But, you know, having an SEC team, uh, we played them here two years ago in Charlotte um, in the bowl game, and they they whooped up on us. So trying to get our lick back, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a big one starting off with South Carolina. Um, and it's, it's going to set the tone for the rest of the season. I think it's going to. It's a big one for us, um, kind of get our confidence and uh, help uh, kind of show all the work we put out this offseason and kind of uh, put it to test. I-, I was talking around the office here about Drake May at ACC kickoff. He is obviously one of the best athletes in the country, right? One of the more marketable quarterbacks, fu- future NFL draft pick and all those sorts of things. Uh, the way he talks is like when you need the the – or the the high school football coach on a hot day in, in with players working hard in a high school stadium somewhere in a movie and you just need like the they need to say one sentence and have everybody understand exactly who that coach is like just football guy work hard you know, I'm gonna run you till you till you, you you pass out that's kind of him right yeah trying to get our lick back is such a football f- coach phrase. They whooped up on us a they, couple years ago, and he wasn't even played in that game. That they, was still that was Sam Howell's last game they, at Carolina. They whooped up on us in the bowl game, and we're trying to get our lick back. I mean, that's fantastic. So he's there, but it but it is there. There is something about this game that if Carolina's season is a go big or go home season, it's it's it starts with the treadmill on twenty, right? You don't jump on and beep 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 a little bit faster, beep 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 beep. No, you jump on and the thing is moving. And South Carolina are the, like I don't think they're gonna you know win the SEC. I don't. I, I like Coach. Uh, I like Shane Beamer down there. I think he's doing a good job. But one thing I know about Spencer Rattler, and this goes back to his days, you know, when where, where he was the golden child of Oklahoma. Yep. Uh, he's streaky. Yes. Right. If if he gets it going, watch the heck out. Right. Uh, <laughs> Their season last year, I have it right here, uh, finished their season by smoking number five Tennessee. Granted, it was uh, the game Hendon Hooker got hurt. 
uh, beating number eight Clemson, again, offense doing everything they needed to do, and then they lost by one score to Notre Dame while scoring 35-plus, right? So so they're out there putting up points, or 30-plus, I guess it was. Um, if you catch Spencer Rattler on, like, a good Spencer Rattler day, he can sling it, right? He can put up a lot of points in a hurry, and if you're Carolina, you can't let him. Right, set the tone for your season. If it's go big or go home, start going big from the beginning. And then finally, uh, in this kind of triangle super weekend to start things off, we get an off day, and then the next day on Monday, Duke hosts Clemson. And that goes back to what I was saying, right? Duke, you could tell at ACC kickoff when Elko walked around, when Riley Leonard walked around, it was a little different than it's been. A little bit more optimism. A little bit more, oh, they got something going over there. Right? little bit more like uh, uh, Riley Leonard was wearing kind of goofy socks right I feel like in the past if Duke's quarterback was wearing goofy socks at ACC kickoff borderline no one would have noticed yeah could you imagine if Daniel Jones showed up to ACC kickoff wearing goofy socks you're kind of scratching your head like uh, uh, but apparently Riley Leonard has a lot of swagger about him amongst his teammates from exactly what said. so every time I turned around he was at a different interview stand hiking up the the leg of his pants to show off these socks it's just like oh okay like Duke football has a personality now Mike Elko was going around saying, I don't know why everybody doesn't get it. I want to stay here, right? Like, there was a little bit of swagger there. Clemson, week one, at home, it's a heck of a way to test your new optimism, right? It's a heck of a way to test what's going on. That first week, which starts exactly one month from today, is going to be really, really fun. And we have a full week to, to count down, which, or sorry, a full month to count down, which is uh, very, very fun for football at four here on The Drive with Tim Donnelly. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Carolina Panthers putting the shoulder pads on today, which means um, it finally resembles football. Right? Then, then now anything you hear coming out of Panthers training camp, at least you can be confident. That the, the opinions, the takes, they're, they're actually based on, on uh, players with shoulder pads on. Yeah, not hot for teacher, but hot for football. And also just hot down at Wofford hot, right now with hot. that South Carolina heat. Hot, hot. My, I have a two-year-old uh, son. He, I don't know how we stumbled into this, but he equates how hot something is for how many times you say hot. So, like, if you're passing him, like, you know, uh, uh, French fries, and they're a little warm. You go, like, be careful, it's hot. If you're passing him or or if he walks up and he's going to, like, touch the iron and you're like, no, 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 you go hot, 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 right? And then he's, he's like, oh, okay, that's that's really hot, right? Then there's, like, you know, mommy's coffee, hot, hot, right? There's, like, a full range of it. Uh, Spartanburg, hot, 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 hot. Like, we're, we're talking about my two-year-old would be going, okay, nowhere near there, gotcha. Like, that's... That's how hot it is out there. Um, and also, that makes that makes the, the first day of pads hit a little different, right? If if you're doing it up in, in, I don't know, Detroit or something, first day of pads, it's like, all right, yeah, I might sweat a little bit more. 
in Spartanburg, it's like, oh boy, we're gonna we're gonna be hot, 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 hot. Get those towels ready. Got to wipe off lots of sweat. True. Uh, yeah, and get ready for the smell. Uh, <laughs> another fun fact, and and uh, not a fun fact, a story. The other day, this this actually it's probably like a year ago now. I was uh, walking my dog. Okay, and it was it was we were moving. And like we were getting after it kind of, and I, I passed something and it was like a vague smell that I remembered, but it was awful, right? It was just a terrible smell. So I was like, all right, let's get out of here, right? You think it's something in the, like somebody's trash or something, right? You sure you weren't smelling Miami's offense from last season? Zing. Uh, Whoops. Actually, not, not wholly incorrect. Uh, so I, I, I kept walking and the route we were on, it wasn't like a loop, right? It was walk up and walk back. So as we're coming back, I, sm- I started smelling again, and I was like, I swear, I've smelled this smell before, okay? I don't know when. It's very specific. It's like bringing me back to a place, but I can't put my finger on it. And as we were walking by, um, a mom came out and popped the trunk on like a, like a sedan, like a Corolla or whatever. And there were probably six shoulder pads and helmets from like a Pop Warner team. And I was like, there it is gross kid locker room when they haven't washed their pads in a long time and you walk in it just smelled horrendous and uh it was going out of the trunk of the car probably 20 feet out to the road and i smelled it for like 50 feet it was that and and brought me as soon as i saw it it brought me right back to like like the middle of two days in training camp strapping them on putting a little squishy when you still put them on the second time just gross so that's what the Panthers, they probably have like fans and dryers to make sure everything gets gets completely taken care of by the next practice. Uh, but that's what they're putting up with right now. It's hot. Up until now, they haven't even been playing football. That's why I talk about counting reps instead of stats. I think it's interesting who is out there catching passes from Bryce Young, not necessarily what Bryce Young's stats were in 7-on-7. Seven so, so any hard and fast decisions we've heard have probably been a little premature, right? The 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 YouTube comments, but, but which by the way you can comment on our YouTube at ninety nine nine the fan. Uh, I I, t- I tend to get in there and mix it up with some of you, so you know look for me. Um, the YouTube comments, the amount of amazing one hundred percent certainties involving the wide receivers are crazy to me. Some. DJ Chark's going to step up. This is the opportunity he's been waiting for. He's got a thousand plus all these touchdowns. And I'm going, really? All he's done is play seven on seven thus far. You're willing to go that aggressive. All he's done is played seven on seven. Don't sleep on Mingo. He's ready for a big this, a big that. I'm going, really? Maybe. Possibly. At this point, they're just building chemistry, Right. Here's Frank Reich on on uh, his level of surprise or lack of surprise that Bryce Young and DJ Chark have connected so quickly. I'm, I'm I am excited that it's happened. You're exactly right, Joe. I mean, it, it seems like they do connect every practice. Uh, you got two really smart players. DJ is a really smart player, very savvy and instinctive, and then he's got the speed to go with it. And I think you know Bryce, obviously, same way. And you know, I think that that's looked good. We're excited about that. Even that is like a little, little tepid, right? Not wanting to go full in. Like, oh, they're smart guys. We'll see how it is. Nothing hard and fast should be decided about this team yet. There's too many new. As, uh, we'll talk offense. We're talking offense here. 
Bryce Young, new quarterback. Miles Sanders, new running back. Hayden Hurst, new tight end. Adam Thielen, new receiver. DJ Chark, new receiver. Mingo, new receiver. Right? You can go on and on to, to all of these new pieces that they've brought in. LaVisca Chenault was new last year. Like There's there's not even like a, a ton of super veterans out there. Terrace Marshall Jr. is the guy probably showing them like the cool spots to eat in town. He's been there for, what, two years? Nothing hard and fast. The, the, the other thing that's starting today, now that they've thrown the pads on, and, and it gets much more interesting when they throw the pads on, is the hardest and most obvious thing for Bryce Young. It's the size thing, right? Yep. I mean, it's it's probably dealing with some pressure a little bit. There's big defensive linemen trying to get to him now. That, but but also like I'm I'm maybe I'm in the minority. I'm not worried about him actually playing because he actually played in the SEC and the size wasn't a thing. Yeah. And and we've seen guys play great in in the SEC and and not work in the NFL. And we've seen guys uh, like. To me, the size isn't the factor there if it doesn't work out. It just would, would not have worked out. Um, but here's what I mean by the size thing. It's rare, right? Have we ever seen a player? And and maybe we can all do some some brainstorming here. And if you come up with one, uh, feel free to – you can tweet it at me, at Donnelly Sports. Have we ever seen a player come into the NFL with with just one concern so obviously above the rest? Like, to me – Bryce Young processes quickly, has the mobility, has the success in college, played against great competition, has the arm to make all the throws, right? C- comes from a great high school program. The only thing you're like, mm, is he's like, you know, 5'10", 180 pounds. Whatever it was in the combine. 5'10", and an eighth, 204. That, that was the question, which is why I thought it was so funny. And I'm sure you, you all saw it. The the viral clip from the like the very first, I think it was a rookie minicamp, where he was standing behind the offensive line and everyone was, oh my gosh, look how little he is. And I'm going, that's literally the only thing we had to worry about for the entire draft process. Now you're seeing it and you're somehow surprised? Like that is the only thing we debated for months is can you take a guy that size number one overall? It was It was the only thing we talked about with Bryce Young. He went to the combine, didn't run, didn't do any of that. He just weighed in, and it was the biggest news of the day. He is a smaller quarterback. That's the thing we worry about. But more importantly than that, I think when it's talked about so much and obsessed about so much, that Bryce Young has to do the thing that that gets it out of the, the minds of his teammates. And one of the things, shoulder pads help or hurt you in this situation, right? Because the pads are going on today. Some guys put on shoulder pads, and they look way bigger. I saw Brian Burns walking in. He put on shoulder pads. I swear he went from, like, 265 to 285, right? He went from a person to to a, a transformer. He just got bigger. There's nothing to, to explain it. It's just in shoulder pads, he becomes more imposing. Went from in shape to a straight stud. Some guys, they put on shoulder pads. They look like they're wearing their brother's pads, their big brother's pads, yeah. right? They They look like... Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey when Ed McCaffrey was in the league and he was running around the locker room like with, with you know, right, his dad's pads on. Some guys just look smaller. I, I think Bryce Young kind of looks – it's like, whoa, those are little little shoulder pads. They fit? Right? You ever have uh, – shout out to, to, to my dad if he's listening. Uh, my dad has tiny feet. He's like six foot or whatever, but uh, he wears very, very small shoes. Uh, we When we tease him, we call them hooves. Uh, 
It's never great when someone grabs your shoes and goes, oh, my gosh, look how little it is. Sometimes that's what Bryce Young is going to have happen. Like, oh, my gosh, you wear these shoulder pads? Oh, I couldn't fit this on my, my wrist. Like, those things are going to happen. And and he has the added ben- or the added challenge of every quarterback in the history of football, I'd say college and pro, has to prove their toughness at some point, right? You have to have that thing that a quarterback does that makes the rest of the team go, oh, no, 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 right? He's a football player. He's tough enough to play football, but the coaches just protect him, right? You have to have that thing that makes everybody think, well, he wears a different color jersey, so none of us can touch him at practice, but he doesn't want it to be that way, right? He's actually a tough guy, and every quarterback, like, protects that so much, right? That respect is so important. Usually you have to, like, play through an injury, right? You have to have, like, a swollen ankle, and everyone's like, how are you going to play? And you just have to tough it out. And then from that point forward, everyone is, is oh, no, he's a tough guy. Yeah, you've earned your teammates respect. Yeah. Uh, the, another great story. There's a Vinatieri story, Adam Vinatieri story that he tells. Um, I think it was Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker was returning a kick, and Adam Vinatieri took an angle on him, but, like, caught him from behind, kind of, and, and tackled him. And when he walked to the sideline, Belichick was like, the guys in the locker room are going to start treating you different, right? Because a kicker just made a football play. And now you're no longer like the weird guy on the other side just, you know, kicking every 10 minutes. You are now part of the team. Bryce Young needs to do that, but to the 10th degree, right? Because everybody, us, everybody, uh, all of the draft gurus, everybody, all of the, the, the Panthers talking heads have been talking about this guy's little. Can you protect him? Can he survive in the NFL? Can he hold up in the NFL? There was a skirmish, right? Huh? Talked earlier about how fights in, in NFL training camps are never called fights. Skirmish. Uh, scuffle. That was the one you used, uh, Graham. There was a skirmish, a scuffle, uh, a Donnybrook, whatever you want to call it, at a, at a Panthers camp. And multiple fans, multiple, uh, tweeted about how Bradley Bozeman, the Panthers center, and another Alabama guy, grabbed Bryce Young as if to say, don't even think about going in there. Yeah. Now, if that were Anthony Richardson, right, 6'5", 6'4", whatever, 245 pounds, it would be, hey, you're the quarterback, don't go in there. Right? It would be like a – but when it's Bryce Young, it comes across a little bit as – like, bro, you're little. Stay away from the big boys. Don't go in with the big boys fighting. Right? He's fighting that constantly. So he needs to get accepted into that group, and then it's all good. But he needs it to happen at some point. And to me, shoulder pads are kind of a big deal. Can't right? wait for Bryce Young's first stiff arm of the season. The crowd just goes crazy. First stiff arm, or or sometimes it's the opposite, right? Sometimes it's the first time as a rookie quarterback he doesn't see the linebacker coming off his blind side. Right or there's a, a miscommunicated check up front, and the left tackle goes down, and the D end is untouched, and and he doesn't have that weird sense to, to, and he just gets lit up. Takes one on the chin. Exactly. Like he gets up. Borderline fumbles. Uh, I believe lacrosse players call it a yard sale. Right. The helmet goes one way. The your shoe goes the other way. Your mouthpiece is flipping up in the air, and you just stand up, grab your shoe, put it back on, grab your helmet, jog to the sideline. Maybe even get in the face of your offensive lineman that messed up. Like, you need to have that moment. Or the face of the player and say, hey, you know, good hit, yeah. but I'm ready for it next time. Or, yeah, or, or And you can do it a million different ways. You can do it that way, right? The Brett Favre, him and Warren Sapp had a weird little rivalry where every time Warren Sapp hit Brett Favre, Brett Favre was jumping up and getting in Warren Sapp's face, which was like, 
I don't know, when you get hit, it's a weird thing to, to go back. Or you can do it like Andrew Luck. If you've ever seen Andrew Luck's mic'd ups, he is by far the funniest mic'd up guy yeah. I've ever seen. He'll get lit up and be on the ground out of breath and go, great hit, big guy. Ooh, good hit, big boy. Like, oh, great one. Oh, man, nice hit, nice hit. Like, that's just just what he does, right? By the way, shout out to, to Dennis uh, Cox, who produces our show and, and today was filling in for Adam Gold. Yard sale, because he's a lacrosse guy. Yard sale is the correct term in uh, in lacrosse, so I nailed it. Thank you, Dennis. Little, shout out Shenandoah. Little, little, yeah, shout out Shenandoah. A little confirmation there. Um, to me, going back to what we were saying, Bryce Young always has to make sure he's he's not shying away from anything, right? He he can't make the comment, "Oh, we're in pads, but not really for me." Yuck, yuck, yuck! Like elbow to the the side of his buddy, right? <laughs> you, you can't, even though quarterbacks can do that, and I've been that quarterback, right? You can say they're like, "Oh man, I'm so sore." Or or uh, in college, I played at the University of Delaware as a quarterback. Um, there used to be a rule. Uh, after every practice, especially during two-a-days, you had to hit the ice bath for at least 10 minutes. Everybody. When the quarterback is in the ice bath, especially if there's a line for people to get in, there's a lot of, well, you don't even have to be in there. Oh, come on, man. Did you, you, oh, you get hit today? When, Of course we didn't. We wore jerseys. You weren't allowed to touch us. But uh, it was a team rule, so you were in there. Like, I could never make that joke, right? I could never say, like, when I was in the back of the line, why do I even have to do this? I don't get hit because it just it reminds everybody that that you're probably a little bit softer than everybody else. Yeah. And then when you get hit in a game, you got to stand up. And that's Bryce Young's challenge. Amongst many others, that's one of them. Uh let's jump to the the Jonathan Taylor situation. The Jonathan Taylor Taylor situation is is very interesting, right? Cuz it does seem like every running back that goes to to bat against their team it gets a little bit more contentious, a little bit more personal, right? Um, Saquon got a little contentious, solved it. Tony Pollard, contentious as we speak, right? Jonathan Taylor is one of the next guys up in line, and he's already getting contentious. And to me, this is a dangerous place for running backs. Do you know what's happening? Running backs, their bluffs are being called. Right? Oh, you're going to make a threat? Follow through on it. Right? The owners, the teams, they're not afraid of running backs. The argument, this this is how it all goes, right? And this applies to the Panthers. It applies to uh, their, their Christian McCaffrey deal. It applies to, to every deal that a, a, a team is not giving a running back right now. The argument that running backs are worth more than they're getting paid has one big flaw. Right? All of this, hey, we need to make sure owners are paying more and GMs are paying more and that they got together on a Zoom call and I'm sure they were very mad. The argument that running backs are being paid less than their value implies they should has one giant flaw. You would have to assume that every owner and GM in the league doesn't want to win, right? Because to me, it's it's the money ball thing. The money ball thing is simple. If there's a value somewhere that everyone else in the league is not aware of and is not spending on, that's where you want to go spend your money. So if, if running backs are worth more than they're getting paid, then that would mean there's 32 owners 
and 32 GMs out there willing to just not do the thing that's best for them winning, to win some kind of weird, stubborn argument. I think what's what would be more likely to happen is there would be one owner who's like, forget this. If if running backs are bringing twenty million in value, and I can get the best one for sixteen, I'm going to do that, right? Because that's reportedly the number Jonathan Taylor's asking for, sixteen per year. Rumors at this point, but that's what's being thrown around. If if if, if owners and GMs out there want to win, they're not intentionally avoiding value. That doesn't make any sense. Jonathan Taylor is asking for a trade after Colts owner Jim Ursay uh, put out a tweet that was like all about how, you know, I'll just read it to you. Jim Ursay's tweet, uh, NFL running back situation. We have negotiated a CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise in good faith by both sides. To say now that a specific player category wants another negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling bad faith. And that started the battle, right? Then, Jonathan Taylor wants a trade. He puts in the trade request. Always a, a big move. Then the reports come out that the Colts are going to put him on the non-football injury list due to some back injury, which would allow them to not only not pay him a bigger salary moving forward, but if he's not playing in games on the non-football injury list, they can take away his salary. So it's it's very, very – and then Jonathan Taylor responds with, my back's never been hurt. It's, it hasn't been hurt. I didn't report any back injuries. So it's it's a very much a back and forth. It's very contentious. And what running backs are going to learn and Jonathan Taylor is going to learn is unless someone else is willing to pay you more, you have no leverage. None. Kimberly Martin, ESPN, on Jonathan Taylor's leverage. The problem here is that Jonathan Taylor doesn't really have much leverage. They're under no obligation to trade him. Ursa has said, we're not trading him. It would take a team giving up, you know, a substantial package for him. But here's the thing. If another team was willing to give up that much, if you're saying we want a lot of compensation for him, then obviously he's valuable, which then brings into question his point of, yo, pay me what I'm worth. I don't know how the situation unfolds because if he doesn't play, He's fined, and then he can lose an accrued season towards free agency, which is his ultimate goal. So I don't know what the the play is here for, for Jonathan Taylor. You don't know what the play is. The play is to play it out and get as much money as you can. Jonathan Taylor asked for a trade. You know what the crazy part is? Austin Eckler asked for a trade. Chargers did nothing. Saquon went on a public campaign bashing the Giants. Giants did essentially nothing. They added a 900 grand in difficult to achieve uh, incentives. Jonathan Taylor asks for a trade. Colts are doing nothing. They're not. They're not afraid of anything you can do to them. Running backs. Jonathan Taylor and, and Zach Moss got injured today, right? Yeah. Uh, which, hilariously, according to, to NFL research, the only player on the Colts roster with 100-plus NFL carries at this moment is Gardner Minshew. So th- th- it says all the leverage should be there. The Colts, meanwhile, are saying, and Jim Irsay said it, right? It was, right, if, if I leave the league and if Jonathan Taylor leaves the league, they're not going to miss us, right? It's that nobody is afraid of the running back's threats. And that means you don't have the leverage you think you do. It was reported over the week that Jim Ursay did show up to the Colts training camp in sort of a tour bus, I guess his own camper, and had multiple players come in, one being Jonathan Taylor. I wonder when Taylor came in, it was like a dim, dark room. 
He was he was, he was he was in like the swivel chair facing away. Yeah, and then, and then uh, <laughs> once, Taylor, once Taylor walked away, and turned turns around. turns around, lights a cigarette. So, what's it going to take for us to get a, you to just a, a, a hairless cat in his in his lap, just doing the Mister Bigglesworth thing? What's it going to take for us to get you to run the ball, Jonathan? No, it's not even that. It's not flicks, what's it going to take. Flicks the lighter. It's you're gonna run the ball, Jonathan. The deal you're on, you're going to play it out. We're going to franchise tag you when you need to, and we're not going to kowtow to any of your demands. Capiche? Yeah, excuse me. I need you to run the ball this season, Jonathan. You if, got me? If you're not going to play, fine. That's what it is. Oh, you're threatening not to play? Cool. How'd that work out for Le'Veon Bell? That's what you want? Go ahead. Saquon was going to sit out too. What'd he do? Took the exact deal that was on the table for him. 900K in incentives. Is that what you want? If running backs were so undervalued, wouldn't one of the other owners and GMs out there want to monopolize that market? And if they're not out there doing it, you're not undervalued. You're not. I refuse to believe that every owner is stuck on not paying running backs so much that they're not doing the thing that would help them win. That doesn't make sense to me. The Panthers got Miles Sanders for four years, $25.4 million, with less than significantly less than that guaranteed, and he was the highest-paid free agent running back this year. Why wouldn't more teams be willing to, like, if, if Cole Komet is getting more per year than Saquon Barkley? Why in the world wouldn't teams be willing to pay running backs Cole Komet money if they thought it would help them win? I just It doesn't add up for as angry as the running backs want to get. Jonathan Taylor is going to make every threat in the book that he has. He's going to, he's going to do everything he can. And the Colts don't look like they're going to budge. Right? The, the one insider said he talked to Jim Ursay about trading Jonathan Taylor. And, Jonathan, er, and Ursay said, not trading him now, not trading him in October, no chance. If you talk to any owner, any GM about trading any player other than like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, then what, what are they going to say? Well, we explore every option to see what's best for our team. And uh, while we love the player, right, we, we answer the phone for everybody. Jonathan Taylor, no, why would I? He's got no, he's got no power over us. No chance. It just doesn't make any sense. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Wyndham Championship. Coming to Greensboro, Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly here on 99.9 The Fan. Um, a few things. Uh, before we talk about the golf, and, and I'm very excited for, for golf to be coming to, to our part of the country. Um, the NFL, according to Michael Gelkin, who covers uh, the Dallas Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News, uh, the NFL has suspended Cowboys running back Ronald Jones two games without pay for violating the league's policy on performance-enhancing drugs or performance-enhancing substances, I should say. I don't think that's big news to anybody, right? Ronald Jones is a backup running back on the Cowboys, suspended for two games. Fine. Do you know what I do think is a, is a little unusual? If you bet on tennis 
and you happen to be in the locker room when you do it from your phone, you get a six-game suspension. If you take performance-enhancing substances, which quite literally are, are cheating in a game, right? You are breaking the rules to gain an advantage. You get two two games. Doesn't add up. NFL doesn't add up. So that's what I'm saying. When I get on the NFL about the, the gambling punishments, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be punishments. I just think that they should fit the infraction, right? You bet on tennis in the locker room, $10,000 fine. You cheat the game, maybe a little more. I don't know. And by the way, I'm just talking about non-football bets. If you bet on the NFL, if you bet in a game that you're playing in, throw the book at them, do whatever you need to do. Everything else, maybe a little bit more common sense might make me a little bit more happy, a little bit, a little bit more satisfied with what the NFL has going on. All right, let's get back to the PGA Tour. Uh, PGA Tour come to Greensboro this weekend for the Wyndham Championship. I'm so excited. In my notes here, this is, this is what I wrote. Uh, the PGA Tour is coming to Greensboro this weekend for the Wyndham Championship this weekend. I'm really excited that it's this weekend. I put it in there four or five times in the same sentence. Uh, Sedgefield Country Club, as I said, there's way more on the line for the Wyndham, like there always is, uh, than just the $7.6 million purse. Right, They're situated in the PGA Tour schedule right at the end, right? the, the caboose, the finale. And because of that, there's always jockeying to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. This year... There's another giant storyline, uh, Justin Thomas. Okay, Justin Thomas, if you would have asked anybody 10 months ago, if he was a top five player in the world, you might have gotten a unanimous yes. But if you ask anybody over the last month if, if he's going to make the cut at the, the Wyndham, I don't know, right? He, he just missed the cut at the 3M after missing the cut at the Open in ugly fashion in kind of both, both scenarios. So now he's coming to the Wyndham for the first time since 2016. Just just to be clear, um, Thomas made his, JT made his PGA Tour debut as a 16-year-old back in 2009 at the Wyndham Championship. So this is a, a tournament that means something to him, and he still just hasn't been coming here. Why? Because it doesn't fit into the schedule. If you don't need to play it, you don't want to play it, you want to go get ready for the FedEx. He might not need not only to make the cut in the Wyndham, he might have to like top 10 or top five or maybe even be in contention to win to, to make the Ryder Cup team. He has been a stalwart of the Ryder Cup for the last however many editions. He might have more pressure on him in the Wyndham than just about everybody else. Because these guys care about the Ryder Cup, right? Consecutive times played, their records, their, how many trophies they get. All of those things. So now he's going back to a tournament that he doesn't normally play with the sole understanding that he needs to play great. So for us, that's just a bonus, right? I'm sure some of you listening maybe have tickets. Maybe you're listening going, hey, can I get tickets? Right? Somebody's going to be out there at Sedgefield, and you're going to expect to see the guys jockeying to be in the top 70, right? Because that's what you need to be to, to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs this year. And instead, you're going to see one of the all-time greats grinding, right? Instead, you're going to see a two-time major winner, right? Uh, rich as heck, whole bunch of money made. Justin Thomas out there sweating over every putt every shot trying to figure out what's gone wrong that's an exciting thing to think about right that's way better than than going to a tournament where 
well, some guys are there to fine-tune some things before the FedEx. Some guys are there, you know, maybe to steal a top 10 because most of the big names aren't there. And then you have the, the, the grinders just trying to make the FedEx. Oh, just mix in. You have JT going all out. And then you do have the top 70 thing, right? With this being the last uh, tournament before the FedEx playoffs, and this year being a little bit more stingy, it used to be the top 130 made the first FedEx uh, tournament in, in FedEx points, like a season-long point total. Now, this year, only the top 70 on the tour make the playoff. So guys will be like the 75th best golfer in the world. If you have the 75th most FedEx points, you are going to be gunning to win the event to make it into the playoffs next year or, or next week uh, because the, the playoffs have massive amounts of money on the line, like huge amounts of money on the line. And some of the guys on the outside looking in right now that are in striking distance are really good. I grabbed a couple of them. Uh, Shane Lowry, Adam Scott, Gary Woodland. These are major winners. These are guys that have won the biggest tournaments in golf. They're right now outside the top 70 trying to play their way into the playoffs. This is like the right the, the weird games at the end of the, the football season or basketball or baseball season when – the math adds up and you recognize like, oh, if we don't win four of our last five games, we don't have a shot of making it in the playoffs. So you might be playing against somebody who like is locked into the two seed and they don't really care, right? They're just trying to stay healthy. But for you, it's the most important games of the year, right? So th there might be a Tom Kim. There might be a, a, I don't even know who else is in the field, Hideki. So right, there might be some big names who are out there just kind of trying to, to smooth those over some things. But then you're going to have Shane Lowry absolutely gunning for it. You're going to have Adam Scott giving it absolutely everything he has to make it into the FedEx. And it's all happening right here in Greensboro, right, right here in North Carolina. All eyes in the golf world right there at uh, Sedgefield Country Club. So, so you know, sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, uh, you look at the PGA events, right? You look, all, you, you look at the, the uh, purse, some of these purses, the, the designated events this year are up to $20 million per event. So you look at the Wyndham and you're like, hmm, 7.6. Probably not going to draw a lot with that, which is crazy, right? Oh, 7.6 million? Can't do anything with that. Well, yeah, you can. But, uh, but really what it comes down to is status in this event. Right, Everybody that wants to be a playoff guy, everybody that wants to make the FedEx Cup, everybody that, that – uh, wants to be involved in the Ryder Cup discussion like JT, that's where the stakes come in. Who was it? It was uh, JT Poston, Poston, the postman. Uh, last week, he like triple bogeyed 18 because he went for the win, and what he ended up happening was instead of finishing uh, solo second and making like 800 grand, he finished tied second and made 600 grand or 550 and everybody did the math like, oh, you going for it on 18 cost you $260,000. And he responded with like, yeah, I was trying to win. I'll do that every single time. I'm trying to win. And what that solidified to me is some of these guys are out there with things bigger on their mind than the paycheck. So the Wyndham might not have the biggest purse in the world, right? It might not have the, the highest prize money list in the world. It might not be the most lucrative stop on tour. But with so much status and legacy on the line, Ryder Cup, FedEx, 
right? How many times do you make the playoffs? Are you a top 50 player in the world? Like with so much of that on the line, there's still going to be a lot of pressure on a lot of these guys. So uh, we'll we'll, ke- we'll continue to preview it. We'll get to our, our gambling picks and everything else uh, that are going to take place leading up to Thursday when the action starts. But uh, but the, the, the eyes of the PGA Tour world will be focused in right here in, in North Carolina over the next few days. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.